Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. A heartbreaking loss to the Patriots has become somewhat of a redundant phrase in Bills Nation as we went through yet another one on Sunday. We'll talk about it, and we'll talk about the back-to-back home game we have coming up this Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight, Billy, the kid Nichols, is here. Still alive and kicking. And uh, tonight, the soon-to-be-wed, beautiful Miss Cassie Ozark. Good evening. Uh, you can find us at billsandbeers.com. That'll take us or take you directly to our Facebook page. That's the best way to communicate with us. You can find us on Twitter. We like to talk trash on Twitter every once in a while, particularly to Tim Graham. I hate that guy. Um, tell all your friends to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, this is Bills and Beers. We're going to drink some beer and talk Buffalo Bills football. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now. The Bills are making it happen now. This is Bills and Beers, we talk Bills, we talk beers, and we're looking back now on a devastating loss to the New England Patriots, a terrible, terrible way to start the Doug Marone, Doug Whaley, EJ Manuel era, but there was some good things to be found in the game. But before we go any further, who was your Labatt Blue MVP of Sunday's game? I, I would give that uh, game ball to the Labatt Blue MVP That's game it. ball. Brand it. To EJ Manuel. Interesting. And, you know, if you look at the stats, nothing, nothing is going to jump out as, uh, you know, he wasn't putting up any fantasy numbers. But anytime you can step in there with all of the attention that was uh, around him in the media beforehand with his knee and, you know, you knew a lot of eyes were going to be on him, this being his first uh, first you know, regular season game in the NFL. Uh, I thought he he just handled himself well, and he didn't do anything to lose the game. Interesting, and that's a great choice, by the way. E.J. Manuel did play a great game, and we'll break this down further here once we get everybody's picks in. Cass, where do you stand? My Labatt Blue MVP <laughs> game ball is going to... Leotis McKelvin. Ooh, damn, you took mine. Oh, sorry about that. No, I, I he didn't, besides the one uh, pass interference call that was totally missed in the first half, uh, in the second half he stepped up, knocked down a few passes, came up big, and, and, you know, played not like we're used to him playing. So maybe he doesn't deserve the game ball, but the game ball in comparison to how he's played in the past. This might be the only one he gets throughout yeah. the season. but Yeah, but with everybody questioning him, and I, I was going to give it to him because I've been such a big Leotis McKelvin cheerleader for so long. Uh, unfortunately, you guys took the two most obvious ones, at least from each side of the ball, so I'm going to have to revert to special teams here. Uh, and I'm going to give mine to Sean Powell. Why not? Uh, Sean Powell gets my Lapat Blue MVP of this game. And for no other reason because he's a second-year player. He's not that experienced. But that was a very close game. And a couple times, Cass, we mentioned it at the bar mm-hmm. that we reversed the field on them. And we did what we could. Our, if our offense could have stayed on the field more, I think we would have just dominated them. But our defense did what they had to do, and our special teams did what they had to, and that's including Sean Powell, who I think I read had like a 46-yard average or something crazy. But, I mean, we were, I mean, seriously, we were one shanked punt away from being in a 17-point deficit through most of that game. So he didn't make any mistakes. There wasn't a whole lot of great play to go around. So props to you, Sean Powell, second-year man. Now, on the flip side, Bill, who gets your Genesee at Cream Ale? Loser of the week. 
You know, I'm not throwing as much on CJ as, uh, and you guys, you know, can go ahead and uh, and choose him as your as your loser of the game. But uh, you know, I would put it on uh, whomever was the play caller um, for the offense. Uh, so, how much of that is Hackett? How much of that is Marone? I don't think anyone really knows. Um, what I was reading was people were putting that blame on Hackett and not Marone. But who the hell? That's like you know John one two three four, who's on you know the Buffalo or uh, you know Stadium Wall forums or whatever. So um, I thought it was very vanilla. It was like a Dave Wanstead like defensively called play like play calling. Um, you know EJ wasn't asked to do anything. Uh, uh, you know when I think he's got the ability to go out there and make some deep throws. I remember us only throwing the ball couple times deep one of which uh, I don't even think we completed either then but it was I was happy to see those um, and I just uh, I don't know I mean I, kept, I feel like we kept doing this like delayed that delayed draw or the the um, draw to the, the uh, draw the counter draw or whatever it was the other side and and uh, you know here's the thing it's not fancy and it was picking up six seven yards so you can't complain too much about that uh, I just don't think we capitalized on that if that play was supposed to set us up for something interesting I could counter with a lot of things there, but I, I can see your point to an extent. EJ did miss terribly on two deep balls. One of them would have – TJ Graham could have walked into the end zone. I will say that. And the other one should have been picked off because uh, he underthrew what's-his-face. And that's not to take away from EJ. But the problem is I also heard that on the two touchdown throws, he called those plays at the line. So he had moments of brilliance, and he also had moments of uh, out yeah. there. I just don't think, like, at any point we were in any sort of, like, rhythm. No, absolutely not, and I would agree with that 100%. And I would have liked to have seen some more play action. We have a mobile quarterback back there. Why aren't we? Why isn't he rolling out? Why, you know, why aren't we doing more of that? Uh, my loser of the game goes to... Your what now? Loser. Yeah, but specifically... Oh, Genesee Cream Ale, loser of the game. <laughs> <laughs> goes to none other than no one can cover me, yet when I need to pick up a big first down, I drop the ball, Stevie Johnson. That's that's totally legit. I, I That one play, he catches that ball, We I personally think we win the ball game. Like It can be argued. So... He comes up. I mean, he's. We do a really good job at finding ways to lose, though. So, <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. It would have at least made it, uh, you know, much more likely to yeah. happen. And you're our star go-to receiver. You've been mouthing off all week about how nobody can cover you. Yeah, he caught a great touchdown. Which, by the way, was more throw than catch. Oh yes, yes. But the one moment where you need to come up with just a the, the four-yard gain on a quick out route, like. Balls in his hands. I know you could say that it wasn't a perfect throw. Correct, it wasn't a perfect throw. But you are, you know, starting wide receiver. You you make that catch. That's totally legit, Cass. And I don't like to beat a dead horse. I've we kind of mentioned it last week, and I've been very vocal about my disdain for Stevie Johnson and him running his mouth. And it's because of that, Cassie. It's because in clutch moments, he simply doesn't make those plays. And you know, you can be a jokester. You can fool around. That's great if a your team is winning. And B, you can be relied on in the clutch. The guy gets a lot of stats and a lot of great plays when the game's not on the line. When it is, he's nowhere to be found. So likewise, 
I think an easy person to pick on this week would have been Colin Brown, but nobody was really expecting much from that poor guy. And based on all the analysis I've read, he had a pretty brutal Sunday. But like you, Cass, I'm going to go with a guy who should have played a lot better, had a chance to play a lot better, and he didn't, and that was Scott Chandler. He had a big-time drop that would have been a great play, a great throw from E.J. Manuel. He had a couple bad penalties. We need more from him. Uh, Chris Gregg, our seventh-round tight end, didn't suit up on Sunday, and Scott Chandler is that veteran that we need out there. He did a great job getting open, and actually uh, E.J. did find him on a beautiful play up the middle for like 17 yards or something later in the second half, but that drop was huge. And I think all in all, one of the major major factors in the loss for us was penalties yeah. mm-hmm. and Scott Chandler was definitely guilty of stuff. he had a block in the back he had a false start we can't have that from him we, we have to have him playing a lot better than that so as, and, and you know who I do miss Mr. Goodlooking Mr. David Nelson no yeah okay well, yeah, he, throw that in there that's fine and that's he, I, that's totally legit too uh so it was a it was a rough game also we're now down Ron Brooks and Marquise Goodwin we're we're loaded with wide receivers, so Marquise Goodwin, I'm not really concerned about it, except for now we don't have that all-the-time home run threat on a kickoff return. I am, however, very, very interested to see how Marcus Easley mm-hmm. capitalizes on the opportunity that he's sure to get. But losing those guys certainly doesn't help. Um, and like we mentioned, penalties and just a lot of dumb plays, a lot of bad turnovers from this team. Now, on the flip side... The Patriots did a lot of dumb stuff themselves. It was a pretty sloppy game. Yeah, I think that's one one thing that uh, it's easy to overlook because we're used to the Patriots being so good, and it's it's the Patriots, right? And no matter what, with Tom Brady, uh, you know the Patriots are going to be the the Patriots still. But that team is not that good. Uh, so I would I I would have a hard time believing that they're going to get more than ten wins this season. Now, here's what worries me about that team, and I agree with you, Bill. The Patriots that were winning Super Bowls didn't get by on an explosive offense. Those guys won because they had great defenses. Then all of a sudden, Tom Brady got great. He started putting up crazy stats. They stopped winning Super Bowls. They'd have 14-win seasons like it was nothing, but they weren't winning any Super Bowls. I kind of see that happening now. That defense is getting a lot better, and so long as you have a first ballot Hall of Famer back there, Cassie, as you mentioned last week, they can plug in any Tom, Dick, and Harry as wide receivers as we saw them do last week. Although, hello, Danny Amendola, I had a feeling going into that game that that guy was going to be a thorn in our sides, and wow, did he make some great plays out there for them. And and by the way, in the last decade, have we seen one frigging hold call on a Patriots offensive lineman? How is it that we... Never ever get held when rushing Tom Brady. The Mario holds, and that was in the third quarter. I mean, the yeah. entire stadium's boot. Everybody's yeah. like calling it, and and yet the refs, you know, turn the blind eye. Right. So there are there are mitigating factors on that offense. Tom Brady and the assistance that Tom Brady seems to get from the officiating crew every week that leads me to believe that they don't necessarily need to be very strong offensively if they can get it done with their defense, and their defense is pretty tough. Um, so I, I hear you. I think they will get 10 wins this year, but I think they'll be scraping those 10 wins together. So the best we can hope for now is a split against the Patriots. They play the Jets on Thursday, who also eked out an ugly win on Sunday. Yeah, and that was unbelievable. Look at the scoreboard, you know, and just realize that the Jets... Oh, no. At the bar, we're like, oh, the game's over. And I looked yeah. up, and 
And all I see, I see Geno Smith imitating Christ on the sidelines, and I'm like, what is going on? And I still haven't seen the replay of what happened, but but those two teams square off on Thursday, and you better believe I'm rooting for the Jets because we need the Patriots to lose oh, yeah. as many games as possible. Yeah. Well, and and I think the Patriots, one thing, if they get momentum behind them, it's they're just difficult to stop. You know, they pick up two quick, easy wins in the division. Oh God, it's gonna be. Yeah, rough season. Yeah, we're gonna be playing catch up all season. So, go Jets! Yep. I guess Thursday, but um, Thursday, while it is important to these Buffalo Bills, uh, we got bigger things on the horizon coming Sunday as the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton and company come to Ralph Wilson Stadium. Ooh. When I'm on the mic, I stand tall with gold. Style worth more than anything you gon' find in the mall. The treasure of the mutinies will keep you all enthralled. I lively up the people with the yes, yes, y'all. So another team coming off a loss this week, coming to Ralph Wilson Stadium. Cam Newton and these Carolina Panthers. Now, we saw what this team can do against the Patriots. We're going to be facing a much, much different opponent this week. Bill, well, actually, let's start with Cassie this time. Cassie, what are going to be some of the keys to victory this week for the Bills to beat this Panthers squad? I don't think it has anything to do with the matchup. It has everything to do with what we didn't execute last weekend. Penalties and turnovers. That's what it always comes down to. So, you know, if we don't get fined for flagged for over 100 yards. But were we over 100 yards in penalties? Yes. Yeah, over 100 yards in penalties. I, I, I see it being a good matchup. I mean, we know Cam Newton's going to be out there. He's going to be running. He's a lot much more mobile quarterback than oh, can we, can we? Yeah, can we stop for a second? The two times that Brady tried to scramble, <laughs> yeah. what a joke. What a joke. Is that, is that guy wearing, like, shackles around his ankles? What is his problem? Why can he not run straight? Yeah. Um, did you see the, you know, that Deadspin art- article that, uh, well, actually, Cassie posted that. Ooh, she's upset. Or uh, Carrie. Carrie posted that. She, oh, 30 Reasons to Hate Tom Brady? That. Oh, yeah, you sniped that, and no credit was given. <laughs> I know. I liked hers. Oh, no. oh, you liked it? Yeah. You did not give credit um, on, uh, on Bills and Beers. Give a share from, I, I can't, you can't do that from, anyhow. Um, but yes, thirty reasons to hate Tom Brady. As I as I did. His, uh, so what, what I was going to say is, oh, his combine video around. Yeah, what was that? How was that man a professional athlete? I don't know. It was unbelievable. I mean, my wife, who God bless her, was a D one athlete, not known for her foot speed, would make the shuttle run look a lot easier than Tom Brady did. I would make it look a lot easier than what the hell? Yeah, and a couple times when he was scrambling and then just kind of like. Sat down at the line of scrimmage. Speaking of athletic achievements, uh, both uh, Lars and Cassie ran the half marathon in Chicago last weekend. And most of it, I, I every time we passed an aid station that had one of those carts, I looked at it and thought, I could, I could just hop on one of those, <laughs> say, take me back to the starting line, I don't care. And like every, every mile marker I passed, I was just counting down in my head oh. how much longer until this shit was over. Until the very end of your sentence, I th- I I heard you say AIDS, oh. like the AIDS station. I was just like, I was just I was just praying for AIDS. Station. That's that's how miserable I was. <laughs> Anyhow, okay, we just got off track. Uh, so okay, anyways, Cam Newton coming in more mobile than Tom Brady. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I I feel like I had a point there before we got off onto that tangent. No, no penalties, I, no turnovers. No penalties, no turnovers. You know what? I'd, I'd like to see. I mean, what's his name? Everton, Everlin, whatever. They're running back. Did. Did have some success running up the middle. What was his name? Who are you talking the about? Patriots running back. Ridley and Vereen. Vereen, that was his name. God, I, I don't remember what I said. Who, by the way, played the entire game with a broken wrist. Yeah. 
Um, but anyways, uh, he had some he had some luck running up the middle. But otherwise, I felt like the teams relatively did a good job staying in their holes. Staying oh, in absolutely. Their lines. The I, so breaking it down, they the Patriots did have two twenty yard runs, but they also had nineteen runs of three yards or less, and like four or five for negative yards. So the run defense showed some weaknesses, and I I'd read somewhere that at least two of those. Marcel Darius literally just got pushed over. Um, but for the most part, they did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I see us maintaining that through, and, and hopefully, I mean, if Cam Newton's going to beat us, then beat us in the air. Don't let him beat us with, with his legs. That's fine. Okay. What do I expect? No, what are your keys to victory? Oh, keys to victory, uh, it's finding our our you know tempo and identity essentially cuz tempo is our identity on offense uh and you know having that be something whether it's that that's dictating the game or our our you know aggressive sack like heavy defense but um I'd like to see our offense sort of you know pick up and and really be the ones who are who have the have the Panthers on their uh, on their back heels and uh, you know get up quickly so our fans can can get into the game. I totally agree with you there, Bill. And I think tempo is the right word. And I'm giving the guys a pass for that last game because EJ Manuel is coming off three weeks rest, and CJ Spiller is traveling back after his grandfather went on a suicidal rampage and it's bill belichick too right i mean that guy is uh right but the the offense didn't have that tempo they that was one thing that we noticed after that our first preseason game was holy cow like these guys are just in rhythm we couldn't get that going against the patriots and i totally agree if we would have it would have been a different ball game and if we do on sunday against carolina will be as well yeah, I, I think we they tried to get the tempo going, but then there were turnovers or we scored or bad penalties. Bad penalties or we, we scored two plays into the drive, you know? Like there was no opportunity for them to actually sustain a drive. I mean, we didn't really see a long long drive from them because of penalties and turnovers. So. Now now all that said, this offense is going to have another uphill task this week against a very good Carolina Panthers defense. I however think that our offense is up for it. But one thing we haven't yet talked about enough here tonight is our defense and how much different this defense is, thank God, than last year's defense. Now, that's not saying a lot because anything just a shade above professional would have been better than what we had last year. But what we did see, and I read in a bunch of analysis today, is we had Tom Brady confused a couple times. We totally fooled him on a few plays, and I got a feeling that Cam Newton is going to be lost on, a, on the majority of snaps back there. Yeah. And I think they're going to have to rely on the running game because I think Mike Pettin is going to have Cam Newton running scared out there. He's not going to know where it's coming from. It'd be interesting to see what um, the, you know, Pettin with the Jets, what he did against Cam Newton or if they, if they played. It's hard to say because, yeah. because they were in our division, so right. they would have the same NFC. So it would have to have been like, you know, we always play the Jaguars and Chiefs. So it would have to have been like one of those scenarios. Right. Um, but regardless, I think we match up well against Cam Newton because we have a couple speed guys who are also sure tacklers, and I'm thinking specifically of Kiko Alonso and of Manny Lawson, who we didn't see a whole lot of, but I read uh, some guys saying that he did a great job setting the edge, which is something that we haven't yeah. had, had in Bill's Nation. For once, we didn't sit there and say, oh, God, there's a major gaping hole. Yeah, how many times, linebackers. How I mean, many times was... did we used to see running backs just 
just running and everybody chasing him after the sideline only to watch him turn the corner up the field for 12 yards. We didn't see a whole lot of that. Now, Cam Newton is tough to contain. He's a big fella, so just getting to him is not enough to take him down. So I think we should be prepared to see at least one or two times him rolling out, breaking a tackle, and maybe breaking off a 10 to 15, 20-yard run. But I don't have a whole lot of confidence that he's going to be able to beat us through the air. I think that our blitz packages and the way that Mike Pettin disguises things get a great opportunity to have a nice little dress rehearsal against, again, a first ballot Hall of Famer running a Belichick offense. And those guys look damn good, and I was happy. We can't really take any more injuries. Haven't heard yet whether or not Bird is going to be back. But if Bird's back, that, Bird. def- that defense could be a force to reckon with. Bird better be back. I'm sorry if I see sore foot as like a reason to be out. I'm sorry. It better be freaking broken. Or better be, you know, in a cast or taped up or something. Like I still think that's a I think it's just a cover. Like that's the that's the news, but he's really just not not ready. Whether it's not ready he hasn't stayed in shape or it's not ready he's just, you know, way too behind on, on uh But on but in this case both sides are incentivized to get him back because he, if he wants money next year, he has to perform this year. As long as he's not in the game, he's not showing the rest of the league what he can do. And I don't think I don't think many teams are going to shell out for a free safety who hasn't done anything since his rookie season in 2010. Well, Tampa yeah. Bay did it. I mean, don't you? <laughs> I think I also went to a Super Bowl. So, don't you also think like Marone might be like it's you know his way wants to see how how Bird like steps in and, and practices for a couple of weeks before. He gives the guy, you know, a chance to start. It's like no free passes for anybody. Yeah, and that's you know that's fair to the guys who have been there. I agree, but at the same time, Jim Leonard came in and started less than a week later, yeah. uh, and played very well, by the way, mm-hmm. for yeah. a guy who's thirty years old and has only been around for six days. You know, the the one thing I thought was interesting when you looked at the defense, there were so many times where there looked like there was complete and total confusion. They're all yelling and talking to each other and pointing, and, and in my eyes, it looked like confusion. But I think that they were like just communicating with each other and looked, you know, everything was covered. It wasn't like we got beat on any like real stupid plays by our secondary, you know, like um, how, uh, what's his name was wide open. Oh, uh, God, yeah. 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 You know, that, that we scored on the Patriots. Oh, yeah, but there was, remember, there was another play where oh. they had a guy running completely free down the sideline and Brady just missed him. Yes, yes. But, you know, it was a very nerve-wracking few moments when you, you know, right before the ball snapped, and you're like, oh, crap, they have no idea what they're doing. But they they either pulled it together or that was kind of the, the confusion that they wanted on the field. Okay, so we all acknowledge that the offense is, is going to have probably a rocky road, but I think that Spiller needs to be patient. He needs to find those holes and hit them and stop trying to go for a home run every time. He regressed to rookie season form this past Sunday. He's come out, and the media has said everything he needs to say, which was, I resorted to my bad habits. Uh, I know what I got to do. It's just a matter of going out and doing it. So that it, that alone makes me feel confident that he's going to get it together. I think I actually do. I mean, you guys heard the story of his grandfather, right? Mm-hmm. You, you heard of this? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's kind of a messed up thing to come back from. I yeah. mean, I can see it in his head that he just wanted to be the man and just wasn't focused on what he had to do. I, it sounds like after being back at the practice facility for a week, I think he'll be back in the flow of things. So I feel good about that. But it's not going to be any easy task. But on the topic of communication, and I just want to add this at the end here before we segue into the wild card section because it'll be relevant to the wild card section. Did you guys hear about what Marone is doing with the captains? 
Nope. So Marone has now set up weekly meetings with the captains. So once a week he sits down with Kyle Williams, Fred Jackson, and Eric Wood just to find out what the rub is, to to find out where everyone's head's at, get the temperature of what's going on in the locker room. And I love it. I love it. I love that he's a guy who wants to be in everybody's business. We all heard about him making the team lineup for the national anthem. Did you hear about that? No. So apparently apparently there was a little bit of rumbling from the veterans because one of the things that Marone had them doing at practice was practicing lining up for the national anthem. Because he wants everything to be, this is what we're going to, like, if we're doing this on game day, we're going to do it during practice. We're going to practice everything that we, we do, and he's just very, and we read about reports of this, he's very meticulous. Every last detail, he leaves no stone unturned. So now he's he's doing this thing with the captains, so the captains are now officially a direct liaison between the coaching staff and the players, and he's all up in their business, and I love it. I love the way this guy uh, manages the team. I like the coaching philosophy. We'll see how it plays out, and we'll get into that here in the wild card section of Bills and Beers. Well, that brings us to the gripping conclusion of this week's episode of Bills and Beers, which means one and only thing, it's time for the wild card portion of our episode. The wild card! (laughs) And this week, we just talked a little bit about Doug Marone. We haven't really talked about Coach Marone a whole lot on this podcast yet, and we should be because he has, as build, completely changed the culture at One Bill's Drive. I think, at least. It sure seems that way. We sure seem to have a team with a completely different attitude than we had under Chan Gailey. Well, you can't change the culture in one, one. Uh, I mean, what is it? Not been now uh, eight months or something like that? Yeah, but we've also we've done. also gotten rid of like 40% of the roster. You realize that, right? Like, the we've gutted our personnel under him. Yeah, so I think he has done everything, everything and more uh, that would be expected in order to change around the culture. But we're not there yet. So, in staying with that theme, though, and again, last week we talked about back to school. It's also back to TV time here in America. New episodes starting up, and a lot of television shows have very strong central male characters who kind of seem to run the show. Kind of like Boss, starring Kelsey Grammer, takes place here in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, So that's kind of a taste of what we're getting at here. But if Doug Marone was one of those television characters, which one would he be and why? Cass, I'm starting with you, and you're not allowed to say Al Bundy. Uh, I'm going to go with Peter Burke. Interesting. Is that an actor or a character? That is a character from the show White Collar on USA. Wow. 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 (laughs) See, you're the person who watches USA. I do. I I love it. Wow. I love it. You guys should watch. Good show. Well, I tell you what, nobody here does, and I'm guessing maybe one or two of our listeners (laughs) does, so why don't you tell us who Pete Burke is and what the correlation between him and Doug Marone is. Your sister probably knows. My sister doesn't even have cable. I don't have cable. Yeah, so you're missing out. Uh, no, Peter Burke is is, a, is the FBI agent lead um, on White Collar, and he's kind of a by-the-books guy, but he does what needs to be done to get the job done. Who's the actor that plays him? Uh, a Mr. Tim Decay from Ithaca, New York. Which is great, because that means there's a high likelihood that he could actually be a Bills fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> props to you. And if he's not a Bills fan, he might actually be a Syracuse fan, so... Um... Yeah. Good, good pick, Cass. Thanks. Surprisingly good pick. 
Not not that not that you're <laughs> not that you're incapable of good picks. It just meant never mind. I'm up. So, as opposed to going for a new show, my my mind when trying to think about uh, this character immediately immediately went to a character from an old throwback, one of the greatest shows of all time. Cosby Show. And that is Tool Time. The show is Saved by the Bell. The character is Mr. Belding. Oh, God. Played by... What's going... Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's what, going what, on what here? What is going on whoa, here? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? Played by Dennis Haskins. Now, <laughs> if you actually think about this, Mr. Belding was a by-the-book guy, just like Cassie, just like you were saying. And you know what? Like, at first... Everyone thought, you know, what is this guy? Like, oh, his principal, this guy's just, you know, like typical, you know, he's trying to order us around, you know, he thinks he's just the boss, yada, 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 and he's trying to, dis- you know, but he, he feels for these kids, and he disciplines them, and, you know, he does it all for their own good. And they and love him for it. They love him for it. They eventually all come around, and, like, they're like best friends, and that is the culture that Doug Marone is creating. Didn't Mr. Belding also get a um, get a job as like the head of the snack bar at the Malibu Sands Country Club? <laughs> Did he? I don't know. I seem to recall him being in those episodes with the actress from King of Queens. You know what I'm talking about? Where they all worked at the country club for the summer? Yeah, yeah, I know the country club. But was it, Belding was in those? Belding was not so, in those. No. So interesting tidbit though. Peter Burke oh, is married. He was. To Tiffany, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Are you kidding and me? I'm not joking. Wow. In, wow. In white collar. So we have a Tiffany oh, Amber. In, oh, in white collar. In white collar. Oh, I oh. see. I thought you meant the actor was. No, 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 no. But, but in the show, true, yes. that's a very connected Wow. Character. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, of course, being uh, Kelly Kapowski. Of course. How could anybody forget? Wow. Some, some pretty great synergy here. Um, I kind of want to rethink mine, but I was so stuck trying to get to the original, I'm just going to stick with it. Uh, and that is Al Swearingen from the short-lived HBO series Deadwood. Now, I, I gather neither of you have ever seen Deadwood. Why do you say that, Lars? What do we strike you? <laughs> no, no, because no, you, you look at me like I don't know that never Deadwood. What you What's say that? We're dumb. No, 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 no. <laughs> so Deadwood, Deadwood was a show that took place in Deadwood, South Dakota, before it was a state. The whole idea is that like it's kind of a lawless city where everybody's there to strike strike it rich on gold, and it's basically just a prospecting camp. It's not even a town. It's just, they just call it a camp. Uh, but Al Swearingen is kind of like the... He's the bad guy, but he's also the glue that holds everything together. Because he's he without him, the entire town of Deadwood would descend into chaos. But at the same time, he's also kind of a ruthless son of a bitch. And uh, as the series progresses, uh, you kind of get the idea that, in fact, he's doing this for everybody's benefit, knowing that without him, everything would fall apart. And I truly believe, and I think that it's kind of a theme here, that without Doug Marone, this Bills team would be a ship without an udder. <laughs> wow. Should, I think I just said udder, but I meant to say rudder. But yeah, <laughs> rudder. Um, <laughs> it's like a cow that yeah. needs to be milked. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very teety ship. <laughs> Teats. So, uh, with the wild card now behind us, uh, prediction time for this week's game, Carolina Panthers and the Buffalo Bills. Billy, we'll start with you this time. The Buffalo Bills will emerge victorious, and the final score will be 24-10. to 10. Interesting. Okay, Cass. I will go victorious as well, 
27 to 13. 27. That's very generous. I think we're also going to win. I, I think two home games in a row, Carolina coming on the road, and like I said before, I think we're going to confuse the hell out of Cam Newton, and I think it's going to be fun to watch our defense make him look silly. I don't think we're going to have an easy time moving the ball. I think we're going to kick four field goals, and we're going to score one touchdown, and the final score will be 19 to 10, Buffalo. So you heard it here first. Three predictions for a win. Uh, feeling great about it? Find us at billsandbeers.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell all your Bills friends to listen to our podcast. It's been a pleasure spending this last half hour or so with you. And until next time, go Bills. The Bills make me wanna. Shout!